Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can just gather here this morning. And it's so good when God's people come together, uh, especially to worship you. And Lord, we thank you for your presence already here. And we just pray that, God, you just touch us as we gather around your word. Speak to each of us in the situation that we find ourselves in. Just have your way. We just pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I was just thinking back to a couple of years ago, and I don't think I read anything two years ago that in any way would describe or, dis- or explain the situation that we now find ourselves in. Uh, it's a bit like the, um, the start of Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. Anyone know the opening line of that to one of you teachers? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Yeah, and that's exactly what it's like at the moment. Um, you know, on one hand, did you know that there are more Christians living today than all of the Christians, the sum total of all of the Christians who have ever lived? That is absolutely amazing. So God's been doing some great things on the, on the earth. And um, despite that, though, most of the world is focused on COVID, viruses, vaccines, and all that. Uh, The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he said, uh, in the last days, difficult times will come. And Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. Isn't that the truth? Uh, we are living in the last days. We've been living theologically in the last days for the last 2,000 years. But uh, things are heating up. There's a lot of things that are going on and, and happening right now. Um, we're living in really difficult times. But we need to remind ourselves that our grandparents and their grandparents, they, were, they lived through far more difficult times than what we are living through right now. And they had far more deadly plagues as well. Uh, In this time of uncertainty, what is obvious is that while people are focused on vaccination questions and hospitalization rates and financial struggles, the enemy has a hidden agenda to impact us and really, really negatively. Uh, People are so distracted that they've forgotten that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. News brief. It's not about Jacinda. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't get distracted. That is exactly what Satan wants. I mean, I've heard of people spending over 100 hours a week on the internet researching all this COVID stuff and having no time for Bible reading and prayer. Recognize that Satan is the master of distraction. Don't get sucked in. Uh, I get uh, posts from the Steiger guys every couple of weeks and uh, I just love their Uh, emails, etc., because they are seeing thousands of people touched by the Holy Spirit, getting saved, healed, lives transformed, 
all through Europe and um, the upper parts of South America during this COVID. They've found that the world is ripe for saving now. And they're getting out and doing it. So I want to start off and just talk about a few of the things that uh, I see that Satan is doing and the things that he's spreading. And then I want to talk about what God has given us to counteract those, um, those negative things. Uh, so he's spreading distraction, but he's also spreading fear. Luke 21, 26 says, Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. People out there are incredibly fearful. How many people have noticed that? People are too scared not to take the vaccine. They're too scared to take the vaccine. Uh, they're too scared to do anything. It's just, um, it is incredible. It is incredible the fear that has spread through our uh, society. Uh, those people who uh, got big campaigns for pro-vaccination, a lot of it, they're trying to instill fear. Those people who are anti-vax, a lot of it is trying to instill fear. Satan is just working, 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 working in fear. Um, don't make fear-based decisions. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And even outside of vaccine times, outside of COVID times, decisions made based on fear very rarely end up being good, good decisions. Now, God has, I need to explain this. God has placed within the human person a God-given fear. It's the sort of fear that when you're standing on the edge of a cliff looking over, you're scared to get too close. Okay? Uh, that's, that's a good fear. And it's a God-given one. But then you have got this satanic, which takes a normal fear and ramps it up, multiplies it up, multiplies, 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 multiplies. So people are just absolutely can't act because of fear. And as that verse says, men's hearts will fail them through fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. We can take authority over fear in Jesus' name and don't succumb to this. If you get vaccinated, do it in faith. If you don't get vaccinated, do it in faith, but don't act in fear. Find out what God wants for you. Satan, as well as spreading fear, he's also the father of lies. And this started decades ago, decades ago. I was talking to someone at the end of the, um, the first service, and uh, I was just mentioning that today there are fewer man-on-man -man deaths around the world than there has ever been in the history of the world. In other words, right now, less people get killed by fellow man than has ever been. And then this person made a very astute uh, comment. They said, yes, now Satan has changed his strategy. 
And so you see an increasing rise in suicide. You see fear-based situations and circumstances. And uh, he has been just spreading lies. And this has been happening for years. This doesn't just pertain to the uh, COVID pandemic. The epidemic of lies today is just... It's horrific. I remember 40 years ago or so, if you're reading, in the, and this is before the internet, which I know the young ones find it hard to imagine what life was even like, um, but if you read a newspaper article and it had Reuters underneath it, then they were the world standard and you could trust them. They would be speaking the truth. But today, what can you trust? It's very, very, very difficult to trust. I think it was, wasn't it Trump who coined the phrase fake news? And uh, it was going on a long, long time before that presidential election, that's for sure. But there is a pandemic of lies, and it's originated and encouraged by Satan. So we can expect lies and deception to be widespread. But remember, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and what else? Sound mind. Sound mind. He gives us discernment, okay? And we need to be applying that discernment. But uh, anything that comes across social media, anything that comes across the internet these days, you've really got to say, God, is that true? How can I check out that situation? Satan's plans for the church, as well as fear and deception and lies, as well as distraction, it's division and disunity. Satan literally means separator, accuser. His role is to separate, divide, split. He's a splitter, a wedge driver. The whole issue of for or against vaccines is causing division, is causing disunity in churches and between churches in families, in organizations, and people, it's tragic. And Satan is doing all he can to weaken the church at a time when the church needs to be standing up, at a time when we need to be letting our light shine. Uh, Christian and biblical way is love. John thirteen thirty five. Jesus said, By this all men will know that you are my disciple by your love for one another. So I say that to say, please respect the opinions of others. Be kind and gracious at all time. Uh, people spending more time crusading their COVID views than their Christian views are being distracted from the real, real issues that are going on. Um, Ephesians 4.3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It takes effort for unity. You have to work at it. And unity isn't just between people who think the same as you, who are easy to love. He's requiring us to, be, to find things that we have in common, and that should be Jesus Christ. That should be our faith. That should be those solid foundations. But also, Satan tries to spread apathy and hopelessness. Uh, have a listen to this verse from Daniel chapter 7. It says, He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear 
out the saints of the Most High. Wear out in the Hebrew means mental or emotional attack. The spirit causes oppression of the soul, feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, hopelessness can follow, apathy. You know, what's the use? How many people here over the last few months would have um, experienced some of those feelings? Anyone? Put up your hand besides me. Yeah. I mean, last week uh, I had a whole pile of stuff going on. And I woke up one morning and I thought, what am I putting up with this for? Why don't I just resign and go fishing? Now, that's very biblical. You know, um, Peter, after the death of Jesus, said, come on, guys, let's go fishing. <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he didn't catch any fish. <laughs> but, but the reality is, God's plan for Peter and the disciples wasn't that he wastes days going fishing. Uh, Jesus had a plan that involved reaching out to others. And invariably, when I have those blur times, uh, I recognize, hey, I need to start pressing into the Lord because the enemy's starting to get a bit of a foothold here. And, uh, and then you realize God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. But if you're aware that one of the tools that the enemy will try and throw at you is apathy and hopelessness, you can work against that. And you can stir yourself up in the things of the Lord. Uh, remember, 1 John 4 verse 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's a great scripture. And Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the enemy is working in a number of different ways, trying to destabilize, trying to disrupt, trying to bring disunity. But God helps us combat all of these attacks. And he, he does it firstly through his presence. Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3 says this. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. When we have a revelation that God is with us, it changes the way that we walk. It changes the way that we live. I don't know whether any of you were ever bullied when you were at school, but imagine what it would be like to go out into the playground and have some kid pick on you every day. You would hate going to school. You would hate um, going out into the playground. But then imagine what it would be like that after a few weeks of being bullied, the biggest, strongest, most powerful guy in school 
comes alongside you and says, hey, hey Don, so you've been having a tough time. I'm going to have your back. I'm going to walk out with you every moment of every day and I'm going to protect you and nobody's going to touch you and if they try and get to you, they're going to have to come through me. How would that make you feel? You would be so, so relieved. You would be so, oh, this is good. Can't wait to go to school and get out onto that playground with my mate alongside. You know, in life, we've got an enemy who just absolutely hates you and will try and take you down at every moment that he can. But Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you. When you pass through the rivers, they're not going to sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned because I'm with you. And when you get the revelation that God is with you every moment of every day, it changes the way you view and do life. At the end of the service, I'm going to pray for people who need that revelation. And I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit will just come afresh to you and just really make so real the fact that He is with you all of the time. Uh, Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us on the mountaintops as well as the valleys. And when times are tough, that's when I personally experience his presence, perhaps even stronger than during my mountain top experiences. I remember when my dad died, uh, mum and I were both there. And for years and years and years afterwards, mum and I would talk about how it was probably one of the most difficult times of our life. And yet, God did something between mum and I at that time. He was able to turn it for good. And we often talked about that night and the strength that came to us at that particular time. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley, a valley isn't a coffin. It's not something with ends on it. It's open. It's a passage between two mountaintops. You can't go from one mountaintop to another mountaintop without going through a valley. Valleys are part of life, but God is with us as we go through the valleys. Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross over to the other side. Good idea. But then they had a storm. The disciples cried out to Jesus. He calmed the storm they went across the other side. Right from the beginning, God's plan was that they were to go over the other side. We know it was a demonic storm because across the other side was the demoniac of Gadaren and Jesus was going to set this guy free and Satan didn't like it. You will have storms arise which aren't natural storms in your life. You will have things happen that haven't happened by coincidence, haven't happened just because we're living in a world that's falling apart, but there are things that are happening because the enemy doesn't want you to do something. But Jesus is with us, and he can get us through. Second thing that um, God gives us is not only just his presence, but he gives us his peace. 
That is just so amazing. It, it's something that the, the world doesn't like, know what it's like because I've never experienced it. In the world, if you want peace, you have it or you get it through creating peaceful circumstances. But the peace that Jesus gives us is peace that comes from within and is independent of any circumstances around about us. So we can have peace in the middle of a storm. Ephesians 2 verse 14, For he himself is our peace, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. Romans 16 20, The peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's good news, isn't it? Isaiah 26 verse 3, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. If your mind is always on COVID stuff, you'll get distracted. But if your mind is on Jesus, you will begin to develop a peace of heart because he keeps us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends or passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That verse tells us that although we have problems, although we have situations that the enemy might design to take our peace from us, if we can give those to the Lord, he will give us a peace which passes our understanding. In other words, we can't even understand how, how it can possibly happen, but it happens. Have you ever experienced that for yourself? You're in a situation and in the natural you think, hey, this is all going to custard. But on the inside, you've got that peace, that peace which just points you to Jesus. In Isaiah 9 verse 6, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. God can fill you with peace. And as a Christian, when everyone around you is fearful, you can have peace. People in our workplaces aren't looking to us to see how we enjoy the good times. They're looking to see how we get through the difficult times, how we stand up in the middle of a storm, what happens then, and that's when the peace of God takes over. The third thing that God gives us to combat the powers and the attacks and the viruses, if you were, of the enemy is he gives us the promises in his word. And I've used a lot of scriptures this morning because God's word is far more anointed than my words. Anyone say amen to that? <laughs> yeah. So stick to God's word, and it's pretty, pretty good. All right, so Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may last for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Again, that verse tells us of the thought that, yeah, you go through difficult times, but <clears throat> there's a morning coming. There's a, I think, who was it that wrote the book? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. One of those ones, yeah. It's Friday, 
but Sunday's coming. And uh, we can find that in all our situations and circumstances. Psalm 147 verse 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Have you ever been brokenhearted? There is healing for you. Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jeremiah 17, 7. This is one of my favorite passages. If you start off at uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 1, it starts off with, Cursed is the man. But we're skipping those cursed bits. And we're going on to blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Do you trust God? Is your confidence in him? It's better than placing your confidence in yourself, people. Place your confidence in the Lord. And it goes on and it says, that person who's blessed because he trusts in the Lord, he will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In a year of drought, in a year of trouble, when difficulties come, the person who trusts in the Lord is going to be blessed and they'll be fruitful. They'll be fruitful. And Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. That means that all those things that you've done really, really dumb stuff, when you allow God to work in your life, he can turn them for good. Those things that other people have done dumb stuff, God can turn them for good. And those things that happen to us just because we're living in a world that's falling apart, God can turn them for good. So what about this pandemic? Is it possible that God could turn it for good? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is possible. Of course he can. He's done it before. Um, and this is an interesting thing, and you guys who like delving into history and looking things up will uh, research this. But basically, historically, pandemics tend to shape human affairs in three ways. Okay, They can profoundly alter a society's fundamental worldview. They can upend core economic structures, and they can sway power struggles amongst nations. So pandemics can have a huge, huge effect on our world. Uh, in... A.D. 165 to 263, so that's about 100 years, okay? So we're talking about A.D. 165, so 100, 165 years after Jesus, there was two plagues. There was the Antonine Plague, and on top of that was the Cyprian Plague. They were both smallpox plagues, okay? Now, if, if we think things are bad, uh, anyone know the number of people uh, as a percentage that have died as a result of COVID worldwide? Okay, all right, so point something or other, okay? All right, so put this in perspective, guys. These two plagues combined killed between 25% and 33% of the Roman Empire. One in three people died from these plagues. That's not one in a thousand that we might have at the moment or whatever the figures are. This is... One in three, okay? 
On the eve of the plague, the Roman Empire was pagan, completely pagan. Uh, Christianity had only about 40,000 adherents at that stage, which is less than 0.1% of the empire's population. Yet within a generation of the end of the Cyprian plague, Christianity had become the dominant religion in the empire had completely overtaken paganism. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this, and it's really interesting to see what happened. The, the Romans were running from the plague. The Christians were running to help people who were dying of the plague. And there was a complete transformation of, um, of society because of the work of the Holy Spirit through Christians. And there were miracles and other bits and pieces, and people figured that it was better to become a Christian and get saved than it was to be stay a Roman and die. So you've gone from 0.1% to over 50% of the population got saved as a, as a result or after or through and after those two plagues. Absolutely fantastic study. God used that devastating, devastating time in history to change the world. And he can do it again. The worst of times can become the best of times. And God can work all things together for good. And he promises. He promises that in these days, he's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to pour out his spirit on all people. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young, young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. His word declares that the latter rain, which is descriptive of revival during the end times, and we've been living in the end times for the last 2,000 years, but it's getting closer. The latter rain is going to be far, far greater than the former rain, which means that What's going to happen in our days and these days coming up is going to be far greater in terms of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit than anything that we have experienced through history. Habakkuk 2 verse 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears on you. This is a time, this is a season, this is an age where Christians need to stand up. This isn't a time for us to pull back and isolate. This is a time for us to stand up and let people see that God is for us. Let people see the hope that we have within, the peace that we can have in the middle of difficult times. But we have to pray and intercede. It's time to enforce the victory that Jesus Christ won for us on the cross. Talking to various ones after the first service, I realized there's far more people who are committing themselves to pray than I ever thought. Uh, it says that we have the authority. 
We have the blood of Jesus. We've been singing about those things this morning. The name of Jesus, the Word of God. But we have to use them. The Apostle Paul says, pray in the Spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Wow, that's the type of prayer that can change this world. But it's the type of prayer that we have to engage in. We need to begin to use the weapons of our warfare, which the Bible says are not carnal, but are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. God's given us weapons and things to pray. And we need to be using those. The devil fears a praying Christian and a praying church because prayer in the spiritual realm affects events in the natural realm. In Genesis, you'll read, actually it's not in Genesis, it's in Exodus. Uh, You'll read how the Amalekites uh, attacked the Israelites. So Moses appointed Joshua to head up the army and to make a defense. And then Moses, Aaron and Hur went up on a hill overlooking the battlefield. And Moses stretched out his hands and began to pray and intercede for the people of Israel. And as he had his hands stretched out, as he was praying, the Israelites won. But as time went on, he started to get tired. He wasn't a young man at this stage. And when he dropped his hands, the Bible tells us that the Amalekites began to win. And so Moses' friends, Aaron and Hur, sat him down on a rock and they held his hands up. And as they held his hands up, the Israelites completed the victory. And the picture there is being persistent in prayer with the help of your friends. Uh, We have a prayer meeting from 7 to 8 o'clock on a Thursday. And that is so important because praying together, we gain encouragement and confidence from each other. And people at that prayer meeting hear things in the Spirit that I haven't heard at that particular time. And so we pray into those. Join together with someone and pray. Because invariably, you won't have enough strength just by yourself to win the battles that need to be won. This society is going to wear us down and tempt us to give up. Don't stop praying. We are called, let's have the musicians, we are called to stand in the gap on behalf of our friends, on behalf of our families, on behalf of our neighbours. We're called to stand in the gap on behalf of people who can't stand in the gap for themselves. God's given us power. He's given us authority. And this is the time that we need to to use it. We were singing a song, Waymaker, after the first service. 
And we're singing how God is our way maker. He's the light in the darkness. He's the one who breaks through. And I thought, hold it. We've got God in us. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. We read that verse in Ephesians and it says that God is able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. But it goes on to say, according to His power that's within us. We are the ones who are called to be way makers. We are the ones. Bethel had a um, song out a few years back and it says, when he walks into the room, everything changes. And that's a great sentiment, but the reality is it's us walking into the room. It's us with the Holy Spirit in us that he works through. And we need to stand up and recognize that the power of God is in us and it wants to move through us. And at this time, God can work miracles by the power of His Holy Spirit. I read of a case of a man in Pennsylvania who came across a car crash. The um, victim was lying out on the road. Uh, he was dead. There was no pulse. People were crying. He was, um, he was just dead. And the guy who had just read a book about healing the sick went up to him, laid hands on him. The guy sat up straight away and then within five minutes was standing up completely healed no sign whatsoever of injuries from that car crash or from that death experience more and more and more we're going to read of situations where God has broken through in the same um, article I was reading how a woman with stage 4 brain cancer was healed completely with no sign of any cancer in any part of her body. And I'm thinking, God, let it be for Tommy. Let it be for some of these other ones in our congregation. You know, we need to take these signs that God gives us and the Word of God and start praying into them and praying through them because as time goes on, we're going to see more and more and more and more of the Holy Spirit breaking through into our situations and our circumstances and our lives because all of the world is going to be covered by the glory of God. God is pouring out His Spirit and He's not doing it just for us to have warm fuzzies on a Sunday morning. No, He's doing it so that when we go out there, we'll be able to bring this love, acceptance and forgiveness into the hurting world. Amen.